What gets you excited? What takes you to a place where uh, where you shout, you scream, you yell, and, and you don't even care who hears you? What moves you to high-five everyone around you or hug people you don't even know? Uh, if we stop and think about it, there's probably not very many things in our life that that get us to that place, that get us that excited. And I would, I would guess if we're honest, we're, we probably would say that for most of us, it's probably, uh, it's probably a sporting event. It's probably a Royals game or a Chiefs game or uh, a basketball game somewhere that, that gets us there. I remember attending the Kansas City Royals playoff game with my boy, my three sons in uh, 2014. It was the night that the Royals beat the LA Angels. And when the game ended, when the game ended, there was shouting and there was yelling and there was screaming. There was jumping for joys, joy. I remember high-fiving my three boys and then turning around and high-fiving the guys behind us. And I remember getting a hug from the drunk that stood behind us the whole game talking and not even paying attention to the game. But I got a hug from him nonetheless. We, we get excited uh, when things like that happen. The next year in 2015, Reed and I with our friends uh, Lisa and Kelly were at a Royals game when they clinched their playoff berth that year. And, and there was shouting, and there was yelling, and there was screaming, and there were high fives, and there were hugs. I, I even still on my phone have a video of the celebration that was taking place on the field with the Royals players. There's, there, there are moments like that that produce that type of shout for joy. Um, so, some of them maybe aren't sports-related. Maybe, maybe when you ask that question and she said yes, there were some shouting and explanations of, uh, of, of, of joy. Uh, maybe when your kids came to you and, and said to you that you were going to be a grandparent for the first time or, or the 12th time you got excited and, and shouted with joy. Maybe, maybe it's when you got that call and the job that you've been vying for, that job you've been praying about and hoping for, they said you're hired. Or, or that promotion that you thought you deserved and, and you were hoping you'd get someday finally came through. We have those moments in life that are so exciting that the only response is to shout with joy. Let me give you, let me give you one more time. Let me show you uh, one more situation. Let me present another scenario that, that should produce that kind of shouting for joy. It's when you're unsure, but then you have, then you have clarity. It's when you think you're alone, but then you realize that you aren't. You you have no hope, but then hope arrives. You're racked with fear, but then peace enters in. You're you're on the outside looking in, but then you're invited in. It's when you don't belong, but suddenly you're accepted, or you're lost, and then you're found. See. See, are those times in, in that moment of clarity when we realize that, that, that we are known by Christ, that we were without him, but now we have him, and it should produce that kind of excitement and that kind of joy. Uh, because of the work of the cross, because of what Jesus did for us, the sacrifice that he gave, shouldn't that occasionally, shouldn't that at least every now and again or from time to time, shouldn't that get us so excited, so full of joy, so motivated by the wonder of it all that our only response, that our only response is to, is to shout with joy. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 100. If you don't have your Bible, there's some Bibles in the, in the pew in front of you. And 
If you don't have a Bible, you're certainly welcome to take one of those home with you uh, if, if you would like. Psalm 100 is a short psalm. We're going to read all five verses. We've been, we've been looking in psalms, and, and it seems like most of the psalms we've looked at thus far talk more about when, when we're struggling. Talk, I talk more about, and it's a true thing in life, when, when life is difficult and how God shows up there. But this is, this is the, the, the opposite of that. It's completely polar opposite of where that comes from. And read with me there in Psalm chapter 100, starting with verse 1. He says there, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are the people, the sheep, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. See, there is, first of all, a call to praise. We're gonna we're actually gonna look at this passage over over this week and next week as well. So we'll just look at, at half of it today. And, and I promise we're gonna be out of here a little bit early today. So uh, you can ho actually hold me to that. Uh, there's a call to praise. Now, it's not an artificial or forced or contrived uh, praise. It's, it really should be real and natural. And, and, and in this passage, we see this, this simple call. And part of that call, I think, is to get excited. See, the call to praise is a call for us to get excited. Now, now notice what the psalmist says there. Kind of, kind of just look at, as we see those five verses. Notice what he talks about. He says, shout for joy. He says, worship with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks and praise his name. You can't help but, but catch from those verses that, that God is calling us to have a sense of excitement. We read those verses and we have to come away that because of our faith, we can get excited by what God has done for us and in our lives. Um, some of you probably watch. In fact, I think uh, a couple times this week I came in and, and th this was on the television when I walked through the room. There's that show uh, by uh, Chip and Joanne Gaines. What's the name of that show? Fix her up. Fix her up. Yeah, fix her up. Upper. Fix it upper. Fix her upper. Okay. Thank you. I got it right now. Fix her upper. You know what I'm talking. How many of you watch that? How many of you watch that? Now, now, Chip's favorite day is what? Demo day. Demo day. But you know, one of the coolest parts I think of the, the show is at the end. Uh, I'm impatient. I, I see the, the fixer upper and then I want to see what it looks like at the end. I don't really care about what they do in the middle part. But one of the cool parts at the end of the show is they, they put the family out there in front of the house and got this big, uh, big picture of their house on these rolling panels. Now, I'm a skeptic from time to time, right, Rita? Uh, how many of you really think those people didn't drive by and take a peek at that house? Because <laughs> I, I know I would, and I know Rita would say, yes, let's do it. We'll, we'll borrow our son's car, and they won't recognize us. We'll, we'll take a look at it. I, Over the cover of darkness, I would go up to the windows and peer inside. So so I don't believe that this is the first time they saw it, but maybe it is. But but you know what happens, don't you? When they pull those panels back, they've got the old house. And you know what happens? They pull the panels back. They go to commercial first, 
and uh, make you wait a little longer. And then they show it again, and the couples always are like, they're, oh my goodness, oh, I can't believe it. And they start crying and they, they, they give Chip and Joanna a hug. Now, now, how odd would that be if they pulled it back? How dramatic would it be if they pulled it back and they're just like, now some of the, some of the times I'm like, really? I, and sometimes I'm not all that moved by it. But, but how weird would that be if they pull it back and it's nothing? Uh, the reality is when we, when we witness what God has done, when we remember what God has done, when we're confronted with what God has done in our life and what he offers us, how can we not, how can we not shout with joy? I, I, I've talked about my home church in uh, uh, Woodlawn Christian Church in Woodlawn, Illinois a couple times. Um, and usually I use them as a little bit of a bad example. I'll do it again here today. My, my home church was a wonderful church that I grew up in. It, it was a, a solid church, and I I thank God for my home church, so don't don't misunderstand where I'm coming from there. And and it's a great church today, a church that has grown and just doing some great things in my home community. But, but when I was growing up, uh, I don't ever remember anyone talking about getting excited in church. Now, part of that was the era, okay? That, you know, that was back a decade or two or four or five decades. That's been, been a long time ago, and it was it was different then. It really was. But but I don't remember I don't remember anyone in my church ever talking about or or really even demonstrating or acting like there was a lot of excitement because we were in church. In fact, if if someone would have shouted in our church service, I can only imagine what would have happened. I can I can see some of the the, the ladies. Some of the, the blue-haired ladies in our church that would have turned around and looked at those people, and I could read their lips saying, we don't get excited in church. I can, I can just see them saying that. I can almost hear that. And, and a case in point, I, I think of one of our elders. Uh, we had an elder named Ronnie Sides. A few weeks ago, I, 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 I talked about, uh, uh, about the idea of, 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 of uh, wanting to, dreaming about maybe being an elder someday and how cool it would be to sit at the communion table and pray. I don't know if you remember what I talked about that. Well, the one I was thinking about was Ronnie Sides, because Ronnie Sides would sit so stoically at the communion table, and Ronnie, Ronnie had the most, the most perfect prayers. He prayed. I've never been able to really do this much. He prayed in King James. Now, now he grew up in the '60s, but he prayed in King James, and 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 the these and the thous and 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 just the way he put his prayers, they were just the most amazing prayers. Now I had no idea what they meant. But man, they were amazing prayers. And oftentimes I would peek, is he reading that? Because because how could you ever pray that way just off the top of your head? But but I remember Ronnie sitting up there and just praying these amazing prayers. But you know what what else I remember about Ronnie Sides is I never I never remember him smiling. I never saw him smile in church. I never saw him I never saw him seem to be excited about what was going on there. Now, now, I'm not suggesting that, this may lay this out there, I'm not suggesting that we have to shout in our services. I've noticed no one shouted yet, so um, we don't have to shout. In fact, if someone just started shouting, hey, hey, man, really loud, I, I'd probably stop and like, what's that? And, 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 or I might get really excited and preach for an hour and a half. So, you know, do it at your own risk if you want to kind of play along today. But last, or two weeks ago, I was down at Joplin at the, the preaching and teaching convention. 
The first session I went to, this only time, only session it happened in. First session I was at, the guy was preaching along, and there was a lady sitting in the front. We were in the multi-purpose building, which is a large building. I was up uh, quite a bit higher, so so I never caught a glimpse of her. But sitting in the the front right, up up very close, and and as the guy preached, she was she was talking. Praise the Lord. Preach it, brother. That's right. And all these phrases. And and you know what I was doing? I was doing what those blue-haired ladies in my home church would have done. I was kind of like, who is that? Well, we don't do that at Ozark. We don't talk during the sermon. And, and uh, kind of like, oh, man, I shouldn't think that way. So now, I'm not expecting. And I think when it says here that we are, we are called to get excited and shout for joy, it doesn't necessarily mean that you, that you have to verbalize it that way. It doesn't necessarily mean that we got to stand up and, and say stuff. But getting excited does mean that we come into God's presence, that when we walk we, we walk into to this body, and not just here, but let's just talk about it for today, but when we come into God's presence, man, we have an excitement about that. We walk in, and, and more than not, we're smiling when we come. And, and when we sit through the service, more than not, man, we are just excited to know what God has done for us and is doing for us. We should we should have a smile on our face. And, and when the worship band plays and, and moves us with, the, with, with leading us in that type of worship, man, it should just cause our hearts to glow and, and a joy to come about us. And when the message is preached and we see God's word opened up, man, that should just get us excited. See, there's a call to praise. And part of that call is to get excited. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth. There's a there's a part of that's calling us to get excited. I, I, I think it's also calling us to get real. There's a call for us to be honest with ourselves, to get real with ourselves. I, I, I think we're called in our praise to see ourselves like we should, to understand who we are. And I think when we do that, when we do that, it actually should get us excited even more. See, see, we're called to get real when we understand a couple things and have the proper view. The proper view of who we are in, in comparison to or, or up against who God is. See, our worship is acknowledging our smallness and God's vastness, His greatness. It's us acknowledging our need for Him and then then understanding and realize he has a passion for us. It's us realizing our hopelessness without him and our living hope that comes through him. It's us realizing our sin and, and, and the need for someone to take care of that and his mercy and grace and forgiveness, our lostness and his seeking to find us. If, if you have your Bible still there in Psalm, uh, hold on to Psalm chapter 100 and just go back a few chapter to Psalm chapter 95. Psalm chapter 95. Let's look at a, a, a verse there. Just read a couple verses. Psalm, Psalm chapter 95 verses 6 and 7. Now, now catch what it says there. It says, come let us bow down in worship. Come let us bow down in worship. What, what is what is the cause of why, why do we bow down? Why, why is he called Zia? Because that, that is a recognition. That's, that is us getting real, understanding and recognizing who we are and who God is. So let's bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. 
We are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Basically what he's saying there is we are his cows and we are his sheep. We are his flock. It says that, that as well there in Psalm 100 where we're at today. We are called to bow before him. Holding up Psalm open up. Look in your Bibles. Flip over the New Testament to, to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. And it, and it tells us something there. Now these these verses are calling or, or describing what's going to happen at, at one point in the future. This is going to be true of every one of us. We're actually called to do it with our life. But notice what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Again, it helps us understand who we are in comparison to who God is. Therefore, God exalted him, speaking about Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We recognize who we are in comparison to who God is. See, our, our call to praise is to get real and understand Understand who we are. Understand why we have God's forgiveness and God's acceptance and God's passion is because of Him. Alex Haley, who wrote the uh, the book and then it was turned into a mini series, Roots, uh, in his office has an unusual picture hanging on the wall. It's a picture some of you might have seen it. I've seen it before too. It's a a picture of a turtle sitting on top of a fence post. When asked why. He had that picture in his office. Haley answered this way. He says, every time I write something significant, every time I read my words and think that they are wonderful, and every time I begin to feel proud of myself and think that I have arrived, I look at the turtle on top of the fence post and remember that he didn't get there on his own. He had help. See, the reality is part of our call to praise is to get real. And we realize who we are in comparison to who God is when we realize that that he created us and we're just the, the, the cattle on a, on a hill that belongs to him, we're just the sheep in his flock boy it puts us in a place of, play, uh, of praise and, and then finally we need to get up I've uh, I performed probably close to 150 maybe a little over 150 uh Weddings in my uh, in my time in ministry. Uh, at, at the wedding rehearsal, uh, usually held the night before the wedding, I will I will visit with the the people there and and I always give the uh, job to the mother, uh, the two mothers, the mother of the bride and the mother of the groom, which which I think they get kind of get they kind of get a bum deal. Oftentimes they don't get to do much. Dad gets to walk down the aisle. Mom just gets to sit up there. Uh, uh, now now. The one who gets even less of that is the, the father of the groom because he just follows mom in and he doesn't get anything. Unless you're the preacher, then you get preacher kids' weddings and that works out cool. But, uh, but so at the rehearsal, I look at moms and, and as we've gone through the rehearsal, I'll look at moms and say, guys, moms, I, I've got one job for you to do tomorrow. I've got one job. When, when the bride starts to come down the aisle, when the, the last people have come in, which is usually the ring barrel, bear and flower grill they have. And when they've come in and, and, and they finally made their way to the front or 
peeled off and gone and sat with someone or stayed about halfway back and finally someone grabbed him and took him to the... But whenever that part's done, and, and most times there's a switch of songs, there's, there's a song that's changed, and it works really well if they have the traditional wedding march, because everyone knows that, but 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 usually there's a, a, a song change, and I'll tell the moms when when that happens, when that song changes, you guys stand up. Because if you stand up, that will signal everyone else in the church to stand up with you. Now I I give them that, and, I don't, and, and and usually they're kind of excited, like, okay, we can do that. I also tell them once the bride's been given away to sit down, and they usually they forget to do that, and I have to tell them to do it. But but they, they always remember that stand up. But you know, there's an interesting thing that happens. Rarely, rarely do they have the opportunity to signal that. Because almost always it starts at the back. It's almost like I told someone in the back row, like I, I, I said, said Pat and Wilma, when Johnny walks down the aisle, stand. Oh no, no, he's standing in the back. That's why I said it. When, when the bride comes down, stand up. It's almost like I've said that because it never starts here. It always starts in the back. And, and you know why? Because soon as the flower girl and the ring bearer make it to the front, everyone knows what's coming. They they know what's coming next. It's it's why they came, or well the. Guys, we came because the wives drug us, but the wives want to see the, the, the bride in the, in the dress. And so as soon as the, the kids make it to the front, you know what? And I see this because I'm always standing up here looking back. Everyone turns around. Would you guys just for a second turn around and look at Johnny? Just see if you can embarrass him a little bit. Yeah. That's what happens every time they turn because they're anticipating what's happening next. They, they know what's going to happen next and they turn around and, and when, like here at Troy, those doors open up and the bride and dad are standing there and the, the music switches and the bridal march comes on or Canon in D or whatever. You think my tracks are sexy? Whatever whatever song they play for the bride to come. That's easy to go out. I, I have heard that one on the way out. Uh, uh, whenever that happens, everyone who's already anticipating, already looking for that, stand up. Now, part of it's ingrained. You know you're supposed to. Everyone's been to ways before. You know, hey, that's tradition. You stand up. But, but it's a little bit more than that because you see the bride. You see the one that you're there to see. And, and you can't help but get up. You can't help but stand up. And like, wow. As, as cool as that is, and that's one of my favorite parts of a wedding. That's not my absolute favorite part. My absolute favorite part of the wedding is one most of you miss. So sometimes a mom on the front row, she'd be sitting on this side, groom's mom. Sometimes this mom will, will glance up, but hardly anyone else does, because everyone is mesmerized with the bride. But So you don't see this, but I, I always do. My favorite part is to look at the groom and see his face. Particularly if they're old-fashioned and they haven't seen each other that day. I know it makes more sense to get your pictures done beforehand. That, that way we can get to the reception and eat sooner. I, I, I appreciate that. But, but if he's not seen her all day and hasn't seen the dress, and that those doors open up and there is his bride standing in the doorway. And she is amazing. I love to stand here and look at his face and see his excitement. 
rarely are there words, occasionally. I, I've heard some grooms kind of, it's more of a gasp, it's more, wow. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll say something to him, she looks great, doesn't she? Man, she's beautiful. But he's looking there, and everyone has got up and, and, and they're seeing that. Not a word is said, but that is praise. That is praise. We are, we are called to praise. Now the verse says, shout for joy. And, and sometimes we do. Sometimes that's the appropriate thing for, for us to do. But we're called to praise. We're called to, we're called to remember what God has done for us. That's what the call to pray, praise is, to, to remember and, and be thankful for what God has done, to, to get excited about that, to get real and understand where we are and who he is, and then, then to to just get up with that place. Uh, as I finish here, I uh, I have a stocking cap that I keep in my coat. Uh, most winters, I hardly ever wear this uh, stocking cap. This winter, it's, it's getting kind of ratty because I wear it all the time. And I'm just going to put it on. Now, one thing, will you agree with me? I don't look good in a stocking cap. <laughs> I don't look good without a stocking cap, so it's even harder to look good in one. Some people can sport it. Rita puts on a stocking cap, and she is so cute. She's got one, one stocking cap, it's got a little ball on top, and she's just the cutest little thing in that. I put that on, I look like a dork. And do I look like a dork in this one? And this, is, this isn't really my favorite, because it doesn't cover my ears. Partly, partly because my ears kind of spring out, it makes it pop up a little more. So, so it's not my favorite, but... But it's the one I wear. And you, you, you want to know why? It's because what's on the front. On the front, it says, City of Springfield Fire. My, uh, my son, you guys can come on up, Johnny. My son, Joel, who's a firefighter in Springfield, gave me this stocking cap a year or so ago. And uh, I, so I've worn it the, the last two winters. And every time I dig in my pocket and I pull that hat on, I remember. I, I remember Joel. I, I, I remember the gift, but, but more than that, I, I remember the person that gave it to you. I remember him. And I remember to pray for him and to think about him. See, a call to praise is for us to remember, to get excited, to get real, and to get up. Would you bow with me. Father, we just ask and pray for your, your praise to be on our lips. Father, it's, it, it's a call for us to shout with joy. And even if that's not a literal, verbal shout, Father, that we can shout in our spirits and in our souls. Father, when we come into your presence, when we come to this place, when we come to you in prayer, when we open up your word, and read your scripture, Father, we are reminded of what you've done for us. We are reminded of who we are and who you are as well. Father, help us always remember to give you praise. Father, help us be called to praise. In Jesus' name.